having that framework helps me be more intentional and deliberate with my life. It also helps me to say yes to the right things, but perhaps more importantly, say no to things that are really good, but just aren't my things. Welcome to the Faith Inspire podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle the messy and embrace the beautiful areas of life. We're going to meet you right where you're at, right when you need it, by helping you live a less stressed, more joy-filled life lived by bold faith and walking in obedience. You have a God-sized calling, but you don't have to choose between your sanity or juggling it all. We'll keep you one step ahead, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles and live a life faith-inspired. Because faith is not just a belief. It's a lifestyle. We've talked a lot about intentionality on the podcast and specific ways to be intentional. However, sometimes being intentional can fall by the wayside if you don't have a visual representation of how you want your life to flow and go. Mick White is the founder of the 100-Year Manifesto, a framework to help people get life right. For 25-plus years, Mick has been on stage facilitating conversations for companies, speaking at churches, and leading CEOs and founders in getting life right. Mick's tools and strategies go beyond life hacks to profound and personal conversations around your ideal living week measuring what matters most to you, and most importantly, creating your 100-year manifesto that you can live by. Having a framework for living a life greater than yourself will help you make decisions big and small. You will know what to say yes to, and possibly more importantly, know what to say no to. So listen into our conversation on how you can use these tools to live a healthier, more fulfilled, and meaningful life on purpose. Mick, welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast. Thank you. It's, I'm so excited to be here, Erica. Yeah, I am really excited to have you on today. You are just such a purpose-driven guy, and you are loved by so many because you're an encouragement to so many individuals to really live their life intentionally. And your mission is to help people to get life right. And that is what I really want to focus on today is helping us to be intentional and get our life right. So we can just focus on really where God is leading us and what he wants for our life. And you've created some fantastic, amazing tools. And so we'll focus on those today as well. But before we do that, I want to really dive into your life story because that is really what you attribute to this life that you have now of being so intentional. So can you share that story of how you got to where you are today? The Reader's Digest version of it is that my whole life I've had, you know, even as an early child, like young child, I remember just like this awareness that life is really short. And part of it is like I grew up with a father in the life insurance industry and my mom worked for him. So I think a lot of our conversations that I overheard as a kid were kind of around like this legacy, this, you know, people dying, like in an awareness of that at least. And then that coupled with, um, I found out at age 39 
that I have a generalized anxiety disorder that I've had my whole life. Like looking back when, when I was in, first in counseling and uh, a counselor you know, shares with me what's going on, I'm like, I've had that my whole life. And so those two kind of have this impact on someone of I need to get things done. I want to have an impact. Life is short. We aren't guaranteed a tomorrow. And so sometimes that can feel like this overwhelming, I need to do and do more and do more. And so I was in the, the financial services industry, uh, not surprising, you know, following my father's footsteps right out of college for about 20 years. And during that process, about, um, about 15 to 20 years into it, I got engaged. I'm, I'm originally from Illinois. I moved to Minnesota. I was only planning on being here for a few years. Um, I met this girl shortly after moving here. And once I knew that we were going to get married, I also knew that this was now home. And so we got engaged uh, 12 years ago and my mom died very suddenly at age 58 the, the next month from an accidental overdose of aspirin. So June 13th, 2011, mom died. And uh, my mom was a grocery store clerk and she worked for my dad. Like professionally, she didn't win awards. She didn't have a LinkedIn profile. Like she, she wasn't in the, the fastest growing companies or anything. Mom and dad got married when mom was in high school, when they, when they were both in high school. And she lived just a, a really good life full of love. So mom died on Monday. And, you know, whether you plan it or not, like you have to have a visitation and a funeral. And that's just the way things work, especially in rural Illinois. That's the way it was. So mom died Thursdays of visitation and it is seven hours long. And there are just these people showing up for hours, standing in line for like two hours at a time. And they all had a similar theme to say about my mom of like, your mom loved me. Your mom was like my mom. Your mom was a second mom to me, your mom. And I'm like, who are all these people? And she just had this impact. And like mom probably couldn't have told you who the president was most years of her life. But she was brilliant at loving people for who they were, you know, as messy and anybody. She just loved them in a very trusting, loving way. And so I, I saw that impact that mom had. And Mom didn't necessarily do that intentionally with a lot of thought. And here's how I'm going to, oh, I say mom didn't win any awards in life. The award moms of mom's life showed up at her visitation. That was the award for a life well-lived. Like so often we have this, these thoughts around like, how do you measure success? And sometimes they're like, I have X number of Instagram followers or, you know, my, my church has, X or we have this much in our income or net worth or savings or size of the house or whatever these awards are. And uh, how do we define success? And maybe success, we should define it differently. And so mom died. All of that was going on. And we, uh, my bride and I ended up getting married four months later in the wedding vows of uh, for better, for worse and sickness and in health. We had a lot more for worse and a lot more in sickness. And I like to think that when I commit to something, I'm going to do it. And I committed in the wedding vows 
during the in sickness part to be there. And I like to think that for worst part of wedding vows is divorce. And how are you going to show up when things don't go as planned? And so maybe our marriage didn't make it, wasn't a success based on we made it for 50 years or we were together the rest of our lives. But our success in the marriage is that we're both really healthy today. We're both here. Our boys have two parents who love each other in their own way. They love their kids. And maybe that too can be a successful marriage, depending on how you define success. So all of that was going on. And it kind of just came to this as I was uh, loving now my ex-wife as we were separating. One of my friends, one of my best friends were on the phone And this is, you know, my son, my youngest son's like barely one year old. Life is a mess. And my friend was like, Mick, what are you doing? And she runs this global organization. And she's just like a very much like a New Yorker, like East Coast, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, do you not know who I am? And I got defensive. I'm like this. Of course, I'm going to take care of her, even if it doesn't make sense to anybody else. And I knew what I was supposed to do. And out of that just came this 100-year manifesto framework of if we made decisions based on what's most important 100 years from now, we would make different decisions all day, every day, today. And it's just that simple. When... Most of the arguments, most of the things that upset us in life, 100 years from now, does that really matter? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Somebody doesn't put away the dishes. You know, somebody snores too loud. Whatever those things are that get us really wound up. And certainly there's a place for what's right is right. So I created, just kind of sketched out on this piece of paper you know, my hundred year manifesto and what it would include. And I wrote down my mission and the words that I live by, my core values, the causes that I'm passionate about, my life goals and my guiding principles. I'm like, I just put them on one page. Businesses do this all the time for the business. And yet nobody spends the time to figure that out for themselves And then it just became a tool for me. Like, And then I I sent it to uh, my graphic designer and she created it. And I'm like, this is great. And I hung it on my wall. And then other people started seeing it. They're like, how do I get one of those? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just kind of came up with it. And so it just kind of evolved through that. But there's just this overall having that framework helps me be more intentional and deliberate with my life. It also helps me to say yes to the right things, but perhaps more importantly, say no to things that are really good, but just aren't my things. I think so often in life, uh, people are overwhelmed, really good people, people of faith, whatever it might be. They're just overwhelmed, unfulfilled, stressed out, sleep deprived, doing all of these things things that are good and they're just, they can't oftentimes say 
I'm not happy because people get offended. Uh, you can't go to your spouse and say like, married, two kids, have the house, life is good. And yet I'm still unhappy and not unhappy, not depressed in like a clinical depressed or anxiety way. Just like, I don't have that meaning. I don't feel like I am being what I'm capable of being. And I think if we have a framework that allows us to like, does this fit my life? Then we're able to say no a lot easier. I say no all the time. And it's hard. I love pleasing people. But if I say yes to an event on a Thursday night, you know, Newton's third law of physics, right? Like for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I say yes, I'm saying no to something else. I could be saying no to my son. I could be saying no to my own health, my own life, my own happiness, whatever it might be, just because someone else invited me to their event. And it's a great event and it's a good cause. But if it's not my cause, and sometimes we just make these decisions that are like, I want to support my friends. And so that kind of 100-year manifesto framework over the years just kind of evolved into, as you mentioned, more tools and strategies on how to live more intentionally. One of them, which I don't know, like I've always been very much like a contrarian, which is not, it's a good thing I didn't go into being a high school history teacher because that would have not would not have been a good environment for me. Of <laughs> just, I'm just always like, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. But we have all these life hacks and business hacks of like, check your email twice a day, you know, do these things. You can multitask or they call it habit stacking, right? Like listen to a podcast while you're going for a walk and you're, you know, taking the dog, you know, like all of a sudden now I'm trying to knock out four things at a time in my day. But, you know, last year I just kind of sketched out like this ideal living week. And I'm like, we don't talk about sleep. We don't schedule that. We schedule meetings. We make sure the kids get to school on time. We do, you know, we know when we're going to go to church or whatever it is. But we don't schedule when we're going to sleep. And if, if you don't sleep, you die. I don't make the rules. That's just the way it is. It's the way we operate. That's how God made us. <laughs> as far as I can tell, and I've tried, I've tried not to sleep. I've tried to, you know, two pots of coffee. And I was in that space where life was just heavy and miserable and you're just grinding through it. I'm like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. So what if we created that ideal living week? Like Erica, block out when you're going to sleep first. And, you know, when you get on an airplane, what do they say to you every time you get on the airplane? In case of emergency, airbags come down. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to make sure everybody else's air, air their, their uh, oxygen mask, when the oxygen, oxygen mask comes down, are you supposed to make sure everybody's sitting by you can breathe and is okay? Or are you supposed to put yours on first? And I think especially moms... They make sure everybody else's is on first. At the end of the day, you can't be as good as mom as you're capable of or as good a human unless you're putting your own oxygen mask on. When are you going to sleep? 
when's your prayer, meditation, you know, Bible study, whatever, when's that time, your quiet time? When do you get time for yourself? Put that in your calendar first. That's it. Then put time with the spouse. Then put time with the kids. Then put, you know, everything else, family, community, church, whatever those other things are. And then how much time do you have left over for work? The visual that's coming to mind is really that rock visual, the rock in the sand. And so you put in the rocks first. So your rocks, it's like that with your your calendar. It's like your rocks are God. Your rocks are your sleep. These are the things that you need to have, your family, your marriage. You put those rocks in first, and then you put in the sand. If you put in the sand first, you're not going to get the rocks to fit in there. And I find that such a hot topic that is discussed so often in the Christian female community, just a female community in general is, you know, how do I get all this done? Especially with the time with God piece, it's because you're not putting the rock first. You're not scheduling that in your calendar. You're scheduling everything else and then trying to fit in five minutes before your day starts or on your lunch break or whatever, when really it's switching, flipping that switch and putting that rock first. There's probably nothing that makes me cringe more than the three words, work, life, balance. And it, because it implies there's work and there's life. And those are the things that you are trying to balance. I'm like, there's life and work is part of life. Life is what we have. You wouldn't ever say like, and there's work, marriage balance or, or life, fitness balance. You're like, what are you talking about? Those aren't my two metrics. What I want is to have a life that everything in it agrees with each other. And so I want my faith and my marriage and my kids and my work to all, I visualize it, they're all in a river flowing in the same direction, perhaps at different speeds, but they have the same destination. And I just want them all to agree, not somehow like, I took one off this side of the balance, so now it's off, so I better take one off. Like, I'm just trying to always teeter-totter it. But if you put those rocks in first, sleep, self-care, God, whatever you identify as, these are my rocks. When it comes time for work and you have those constraints around, here's how much I have available to work, you just get a lot better during that time. What most people do is I'm going to work until I get my, all my work done. I come home, I'm tired. Somebody's got to let the dog out. The dishes are dirty. You know, we're going to have a frozen pizza for, you know, and I got to do the dishes and laundry and like, here's all the things. And I'm going to have a glass of wine and go to bed and wake up early and put some coffee on. And here we go again. Versus if I know I only have four hours or six hours or eight hours to work or 10 hours, you just don't waste that time. And so, so to me, the 100-year manifesto and those tools and strategies are 
Like, how do I really measure what matters and be more deliberate, intentional with my life? I read this the other day that 20 years from now, the only people that will remember that you worked late are your kids. She's just like, oof, right? Like, I don't want people to say at my funeral and be like, yeah, Mick was a really hard worker and he was always the first one there and the last one to leave. That's not the metric I'm trying to measure in life. So good, Mick. Really, I would love for you to unpack the 100-year manifesto. So you mentioned kind of the different aspects within it, but kind of walk us through, if you can, each of those areas and why they matter, really why they matter and how you can create those. Yeah. So to me, there's seven parts of it. I used to think there were six, and now I realize there's seven, like after a couple of years later, because the first one is your name is like how you identify yourself. And I learned this when my mom passed away, uh, what we were going to put on her headstone because that's kind of permanent. You know, do you, you call her, you know, you say Deborah Joe White. Do you put her maiden name in parentheses? Like nobody called her Deborah. Everybody called her Debbie. You know, she signed her name Deborah J. Like all these things. And my dad had, because of the life insurance industry and what he does professionally, he had in her handwriting that she wanted to be Debbie White on her headstone. And it's just like the importance of identifying this is my 100-year manifesto. So there's the name. And then the hardest one for people to figure out is their mission or their purpose, however you want to define, like, here's what I am. We'll bypass that one and come back. Then there's the words to live by, which are two to three words. You're not going to probably find it at Target that says live, laugh, love. Hopefully there's a little bit more introspection that goes with it. But for for me, um, work smart, pray hard, play easy, love unconditionally, accept radically, embrace the uncertainty those kind of just words that I, you know, my, my sons would be like, be ultimate. It's what we say all the time. Your core values and really trying to dive into what are my core values beyond maybe some of them that come, people say often of like integrity, like, okay, can we be a little bit more specific? So for, for mine, honor and respect and truth and authenticity and the word congruence. And then the for good, not I go to X church, but the cause that you're passionate about. The cause might be Christian moms who are trying to navigate life. For me, mine are suicide prevention, eliminating mental health stigmas, and then um, amplifying other people. And so a specific organization might change over time. Your causes probably stick with you because they have a deeper meaning than, than others. And then life goals coming from like a financial services, uh, financial advisor background. So many people talk about life goals of like, I want to retire by X age. I'd love to buy another house. I'd like all these very stuff things. And there's nothing wrong with those. But to me, like, my life goals of like be the man and the father that I was created to be. 
That's my goal. To raise healthy boys who love themselves, their God, and their family, who serve others, lead by example, and do their best every single day of their lives. Like, that's my goal. And if I have that framework, that's very different than I want my son to go to college and be an engineer. No, I want him to love himself and to serve the community. That's what I'm trying to teach and to lead him. Um, And then guiding principles, they might be scriptures. They might be like a quote grandma used to say, things that have, one of mine is the greatest thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Just what are those, that framework of what guides me? And then going back to the mission, a lot of times people struggle. They can get all the other ones and they really struggle with what's my mission. I share, like, sometimes it's easier to understand other people's missions to kind of get a, some grace and permission to explore what others might be or what yours might be. So my father, who, um, 72, a couple of years ago, he's, he's like, I want one of those. And we're on a Zoom call early days of the pandemic, and there's like five of us, and we met every week for a year. Three gentlemen up here. And my dad, one, one of them, one of them was a, a Catholic business owner up here. One was a Jewish attorney, myself, a couple other guys here, and my dad, a Christian businessman in Illinois. And so we talked, you know, kind of all the stuff you're talking about with the pandemic, like from cameras and green screens to everything, right? And so my dad's in the financial advisor for 40 plus years in his company's hall of fame. And during one of the calls, one of the other gentlemen who has never met my dad in person in his life says to him, he said, Mike, you are a minister of joy. And I about fell out of my chair. I'm like, that's who my dad is. He's not a financial advisor. Like that's his profession. He is a minister of joy. Like that's his mission and his purpose. He's never articulated it that way. But my mind just like exploded on the spot because that mission, that purpose isn't your occupation. That profession or how how you make money, that could change over time underneath that purpose, underneath that mission. That's just a revenue stream. Like, just call it like my revenue streams may change. How I help people get life right. I lead by example. I guide and nurture and teach, whatever that might be. There's a lot of different ways to do that. But helping people get life right is my mission. And so I think sometimes we we really think of it in a very professional way rather than and from a faith perspective oftentimes we're like oh I'm, I'm called to worship God I'm like yes I get that you are but you have a unique one specific to you not only to show up go to church be a good human you know don't kick your dog like that's good job on on some of those but you have something specific for your life And I think once people are able to spend the time doing that, it's freeing. It's a little scary because, 
maybe relationships or occupations or things we need to walk away from or say no to or but if you spend that time creating that and life just gets clear like a lot more clarity in what I do every day and maybe definitely just as important what I don't do. And so that's kind of how I framed it up. Um, and then I created an app with this, a web-based app. So if you go to hundredyearmanifesto.com, there's a place that says, you know, buy now or something. But the way I did it is like, I don't think there should be financial barriers into being purpose-driven. And so on it, it says, you know, pay what you can. Like if you want to pay $0 for it, you pay $0 for it. Like I want to help people get life right, regardless of whether or not they can pay for it. And so just created that software to allow people to go in, create their own 100-year manifestos, go back in and change it. You know, mine has changed over the last five years. It's evolved. As I get more clear on what I am supposed to be doing, some of the words, some of the quotes, some of the different things, I, I will go back in and change every now and then. So that's a hundred year manifesto. And I just, I think life is too short to go through without spending the time to know why you're here, what your calling is and how to, how to really pursue that with everything you have. So to me, a hundred year manifesto, like the daily planner didn't seem like enough and eternity seemed like a really long time. So like a hundred years from now, put me far enough in advance to say that allows me a different framework to make decisions, how to be more intentional. And um, if I keep that in mind, how I interact with people hopefully is a lot healthier um, and different than when I'm very reactive about someone cutting me off in traffic. And you mentioned the word free, like it's just freeing. And I wrote that down actually. What I wrote down was this framework that you've created really will allow you to use the gifts that God has given you freely. Because I think I fall into this, and I was actually speaking to a few women at an event last night about this, where there's so much opportunity in the world and that we get just so confused on, well, for me, I'm really good at marketing. I'm really good at communications. I'm really good at, you know, like tuning in to what God has a word for me and then sharing it with other people. How does it all intertwine? And then I get, you know, down in the world of like how they tell you you need to niche down and you need to do these certain things. And then it just all becomes just so stifling. And by creating this framework, you can really look at it and say, well, my life's mission is to, you know, help Christian women, you know, dream big with God and encourage them to live their faith out boldly. Like, you know, there it is. Like, that's what it is. And so I can use all the tools that I have freely to do that wherever God wants to lead me. And it doesn't have to be something that I monetize. It can be just something that I do because I love encouraging women, or it could be something he wants me to monetize. But there's that freeing feeling by just having this framework and being able to look at it with the eyes of this isn't a business. This is just my life mission. This is to this is me literally giving my gifts back to God as a worship to him. Right. Yeah. Whether you worked in corporate America 
had your own business, were retired, didn't work at all, whatever that is, like that mission is the same. And you would engage with that and women in a similar fashion because that becomes who you are. And then getting down in some of those weeds, it, it can get overwhelming versus I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And my, my dad, like, I, I love him dearly. Uh, he's also, as a parent, they can be like, just drive you up a wall sometimes with little things, right? Like just something small, annoying. And my dad's thing that drives me up a wall more than perhaps anything else. And it's, it's not like it's a huge, if we go out to eat, he orders whatever the person in front of him orders. <laughs> he can't make a decision around food for anything. Dad, where do you want to eat tonight? He's like, Oh, I like everything. I'm like, you don't like everything. Like, you don't, you don't like spicy food. Like you don't like, you know, like a lot of different things in his mind. He likes everything. So if you ask him, what's your favorite food? He can't answer you. And he is so full of joy. Sometimes he has a tough time and it's easier to pick on other people than, than talk about yourself and your own issues. So I talk about my dad who I am just alike. So just to be clear, I'm just like my dad, but um, he enjoys going to the grocery store. And so I'm like, well, yes, but you're exchanging that for time with your daughters or time with your grandkids, or I'm not saying you don't enjoy going to the grocery store, but there's an exchange for all of that. And what do I really want? You know, whether it's a networking event last night or different things, like what am I really called to do with my life? And sometimes it means having a favorite food, dad, <laughs> like make a decision, but also say no to like, I don't want that. I only have so much to live and I don't want to spend it reading books just because somebody else gave me the book. I want to read it because I want to be intentional with what I put in my time, my energy. And I think that hundred year manifesto kind of framework frees people to do perhaps what they want, but so often we're conditioned to please. And as a, you know, as a mom, like, I'm learning as a dad, a single dad, that if my son wants to wear an outfit to school, I'm like, I want to wear that to school. Like, that's, you don't exactly match, buddy. And he wore like green on green. Like, it was a lot of green the other day. He loved it. So I'm like, wear it. You want to wear that? I was more concerned about his friends. You know, like, is somebody going to give you a hard time about this? He loved his outfit. I'm like, Go for it, man. And just allowing him to be him because I want him to step into his own. I don't want him to be just like me. I want him to pursue his own interests. And if you want to wear all green, go for it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm learning too as a dad and like everybody else. Like, and so, so he said to me, 
because I talk about all the time, the life you live is the lesson you teach. And so he, he's, he's, he said to me, he's like, well, you're the always, the, the, you always talk about matching. And I'm like, I do, right? I, I do talk about matching. But my method of matching is like a black hoodie and gray pants, not all the same color. And he just looked at me like, you're wrong, <laughs> right? Like those don't <laughs> matter. Like, this matches. But trying to like, in my own 100-year manifesto framework as a dad, what he wears to school, it's appropriate. Like, it's not like it's offensive to anybody. Like, there's certain guidelines. He can wear whatever he wants to school. Like, you want to wear cowboy boots with that outfit? You want to wear two different colored socks and cowboy boots and some swim goggles? Have at it, kid. <laughs> like, it's your life. Uh, but anyway, that's just kind of the the, the tools and the, the, the mindset of, having clarity around your mission and your calling it's difficult work to dive into i think for a lot of people to try to figure out and so they don't but once you do it's super freeing in your life yeah yeah it sounds so wonderful meg and i'm actually going to create one myself i have not yet and i heard it from our friend laura king like when i first started this podcast she actually brought it up it was my first episode and i haven't done one yet but i am in a stage in my life that i need one no that was like two and a half years ago i absolutely need one right now for clarity so i think laura is the only person who has theirs in a different color because at that time uh, we were making them all manually. Like I would send them to my graphic designer. So yeah, Laura, Laura's one I remember from Laura's is choose joy. Yeah. Is one of her words that she lives by. And I can see that for sure. For sure. Well, Mick, this has been wonderful. I want to give you the opportunity. You did mention hundredyearmanifesto.com, I believe it was, to get this information. But is there anywhere else on social media um, or other other avenues to connect with you and resources that you have. Yeah. 100-Year Manifesto, 100yearmanifesto.com is the website. I spend most of my time either on LinkedIn or Facebook. You can find me. There's not a whole lot of Mick Whites that don't have any hair. I'm in either one of those places and would, would be happy to connect with anybody who's part of your world. If they're part of your world, I already know they're really good humans. So... I'm honored that you asked me to be part of this group and, and your special uh, space and community that you build and cultivate. Oh, thank you, Mick. And I feel the same about you. Same about you. So one more question before we go. And I love this because you are just a guy of purpose. So I'm really interested in this. What um, has brought you joy today? What has brought me joy today? Uh, you know... So my, my son and I, he's eight, so he we're, we're co-sleepers. And some people aren't into that. For us, it, there's a thousand reasons why. He has his own bed. He likes to sleep next to me. But I know that I read once the nine most important minutes of a child's day. The first three minutes when they wake up, the first three minutes after school or when they get home, and then the last three minutes before they go to bed. And so I deliberately wake up early, usually an hour or two. He usually wakes around up around 6 or 6.30. I always want to be ready in a good place myself so that when he wakes up, 
like we're ready to go. And so his first moments, I always think like, what's going to come out of this kid's mouth? Cause he, he, he wakes up the happiest kid giggling or, and oftentimes it's just like the continuation of last night's conversation that he fell asleep saying he's like, and so the Minnesota United, right? He just like goes back into the conversation. So just like the joy of laying there knowing he's eight and knowing one day he won't sleep in my bed, hopefully. <laughs> like I love him dearly, but at some point between now and the time he's my age, I would appreciate if he's not in my bed anymore. But just watching him lay there, sleep, wake up. I'm just forever grateful and thankful to be his dad and uh, amazed that God has shared this opportunity with me to be a dad and to hopefully, you know, guide him. And while I'm doing that, perhaps share with other men, other parents, how to do parenting with a hundred year manifesto kind of framework what's really important and how I make decisions. So yeah, just watch my son, you know, just watch my son wake up makes me like, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the day. Yeah. It's such a gift. It really is just a simple gift from God. So I love that Mick. Thank you again for being on. It's just been such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing just um, what God has done in your life and how that's really just helped you help others to create just a purpose-driven life. So thank you. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. 100 years from now, what will you care about? What will be the legacy that you will want to leave behind? Mick's mom was brilliant at loving people for who they were. So what do you want others to say about you? You have this gift of life that God has given you. So be intentional about how you use it and live it with clarity and purpose. I'm so grateful you spent time today listening to this episode. If you were encouraged by what you heard, share the love with other women you know and send them the link to this episode. Just think how many more women could be blessed with faith-inspired encouragement. Love and prayers, Erica. Congrats on saying yes to a life filled with joy and Jesus. If you want more, head to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to stay faith-inspired. And remember, faith is not just a belief, it's a lifestyle.